Thanks for tuning in for this sermon from Real Church Goshen. We pray that this message will encourage you to do the work that God has called you to do. So tonight, I want to talk to you about being people of faith, being people of faith. Um, And I'm going to warn you, the notes that I wrote, um, so the, the way I do this, I have this little system that what I'll do is I go to my computer and I... This really doesn't make sense from a system, but anyways, this is what I do. Um, I open a Word document, and I write, and I write, and I write, and I'll save it, and I'll come back to it, and I'll write, and I'll write, and I'll come back to it, and all this stuff. And then eventually, once I feel like I there's some stuff in here, and I'm going to use some of it, I then move it over into a PowerPoint. And then what I do is once I move it over to PowerPoint, I then send it to my Apple device, which doesn't like PowerPoint. And so I convert it over to Keynote when I can... I do all these weird things, okay? And... Uh, Uh, sometimes when I'm looking at it on my big monitors in there, I'm like, this looks okay. This will be great. And then when I send it to my iPad, which is this big, I go, wow, eyes are nice to have when they work well. Um, And so some of my font came out small. So if I'm doing one of these when I'm talking to you, (laughs) it shouldn't be that bad. If it is that bad, I will go see an optometrist. Wow, that was a big word. Um, but tonight I want to talk to you about being people of faith. I think it was, and I, and I blur these because they're not week after week, um, but I think last month we talked about being uh, per, perhaps more like Jesus, um, whether it was last week or, whether, or last month or the month before, whatever it was. And as we talked about that, the, the next thing that I was, really felt like we were leading into was, what does it really look like to be people of faith? Because I think there is a, um, there's a very common thought that people have when they think about someone being a person of faith and how that defines them and what that means and what they, what they may do, what they may not do. And, you know, it seems to me, and I, I'm sure some of you um, could maybe help me out here, but it seems to me that, like, the longer I'm here on earth the crazier it gets on earth. Is that the case? I don't know if that's like, like it's really getting crazier or if it's just like you start being aware of more things. I really don't know. Um, I wish we could go back and I could ask, I'm going to say Laura Ingalls because she would be able to tell me, right, from Little House on the Prairie. Um, did she just become aware of more stuff? Like what happened? I don't know. Um, anyways, what I believe that the world needs to be able to see is see us being people of faith. And I began asking myself, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to be people of faith? And what does that really look like? And I came to a very, I think, interesting passage to talk about that. And that is in John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Now, this, <laughs> this whole series of scriptures could literally be um, one of the most controversial things in the Bible if you are a person of faith. Um, it's actually pretty comical to me that it is, but we'll, we'll talk about this. Because I believe that there is something in this story, and now I'm going to warn you, I'm going to read all 11 of these passages, okay? And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of this. But I believe there's something that 
God just kind of like pulled out to put in front of me that made me go, whoa, wait a minute. And I think it gives a very good illustration to what it truly means to be a person of faith. So we're going to start John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, most of y'all who already know this passage, you already know where this is kind of going, okay? But it says, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, I love this, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I'm going to get into that in a minute. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now." This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Okay, now, most of you have heard that story, right? I mean, yes, we know, Tom, Jesus turned the water into wine. It was big crazy and it was, you know, people were thrilled about it. There's a couple of things to mention here. First off, this is like, this is Jesus's first, like, miracle. This is like, this is where he first launched into actually performing a miracle, okay? So there, there's a lot that's baked into this conversation, but I want to hone in on what happens in verses three, four, and five, okay? I want you to see something that happens here. Now, of course, I love, you know, three, four, and five, when the, wine ran, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, and Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come. Now, I'd like to say, you know, like when you think about the craziest thing that happens in this passage, I think a lot of people want to talk about this because like I, when I read this, I imagined like Bethany telling Judah, hey, I need you to go feed the chickens. And Judah going, woman, what does this have to do with me? (laughs) Like I wouldn't have a son. I would not have a son if that was the case, right? Like... Hello. And, and so like that, that of course pops out of me, but that, that's not it. See, it's in what Mary does is what literally blows me away. Because what you see is he says this to Mary. And what is Mary's response? To, Jesus is literally telling her, this has nothing to do with me. My hour hasn't come yet. And what does Mary do in verse five? It says, she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Like, I I read that, and I was like, this whole thing doesn't, like, are there passages missing in between here? Like, was there some dialogue? Was there some stuff going down? And then at the end of the day, Mama was like, you just do what I tell you to. You know, like, I don't, 
I don't know, but I look at this and I look at what Mary did is really insane because here's what Mary did. Mary brought this need, this concern that she had directly to Jesus, and she felt that she could completely rely and believe in God for what that need was, right? So much so that, you know, she is hearing, hey, we're out of wine. She is hearing, you know, we we don't have enough. It's already run out. This is going to be a problem. She's hearing all of the dilemma of the problems, okay? Like if any of you ladies could imagine when you've cooked for a large meal and someone's like, we're running out. Like, I think that's Bethany's greatest fear in life. You know, that's why she always buys way more than what we'll ever need for something. Be like, oh, we're going to have some friends over. Okay, cool. You bought 18 packs of hot dog buns? What are we going to do with these? Well, the chickens will eat them if they won't. You know, it's one of those stories. But if you look at what's around Mary, not only is she hearing that from those around her, but she's literally hearing from Jesus, this has nothing to do with me. My time hasn't come. But... Mary had enough faith to look at the servants and say, do whatever he tells you to. Because even though her surroundings were telling her, we have trouble, even though when she went to Jesus in the moment, she still had enough faith to believe that this is all going to be fine. Even when Jesus is looking at her and saying, it's not my time yet. She's walking away, in my opinion, with so much faith to just go ahead and say to the servants, just do whatever he says to. Like she knew he was going to do it. Like she knew that he was going to deliver on this. And it's crazy because if you look at this story, if you look at this passage, the amount of faith that brought to this moment, that, that Mary brought to this moment is insane. Because it's not like, I, I don't believe Mary had some sort of context, like, think about, think about this. I don't think Mary had a situation where Mary's like, look, Jesus, I know you haven't done this in front of anyone, but when I was short on eggs last week, <laughs> you did me a solid, right? <laughs> like, it, there's, no, there's no, like, conversation like that that took place. Like, come on, cough it up. Like, I know you could take care of this, and it'd be really easy. She didn't have that visual, she didn't have that. She hadn't experienced the miraculous like this, but she had the faith to apply towards it. That's crazy to me because for us in our situations, in our world, we want an example. We want to see the fruit of something that has happened so that we can believe even more in what we want to believe in. But Mary had nothing. But she had enough faith and enough confidence that even when Jesus is like, my hour hasn't come, she's walking away and she says, just do whatever he says. Because she, she had the faith. She had that type of faith that even though everything around her was saying no, she knew it was going to come. And it's because her faith was built solely on God. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a weirdo moment because I'm just going to take you into a different spot that I don't know how right or wrong this is, Okay. That's my clause, okay? Here's what I think is interesting. Jesus says to her, my time hasn't come. Jesus says to her, what does this have anything to do with me? But then Jesus performs the miracle. And I was looking at that and I was going, hmm, that's kind of (laughs) weird, you know? Like 
Here, Jesus is, I think, I feel like Jesus kind of made himself clear here. Like, look, this hasn't got anything to do with me, and it's not my time yet. But yet, Jesus then performed the miracle exactly as she had asked. And so now you're just into the wanderings of Tom for a minute, okay? So just go there with me. I ain't got no scriptures to necessarily back this up. I'm just taking you somewhere with me as I'm, as I'm digesting this. But I thought about... I thought about Jesus never performing a miracle. Mary activated something in Jesus because of the faith that she had. See, like, you got to understand, Mary had been through some stuff with God, right? She had been through some crazy stuff, right? Like, she had literally, you know, birthed the Savior of the world and had to explain to everyone that she was a virgin. But, you know, I, just imagine the context. That's, that's big stuff. So Mary had been through so many incredible, amazing experiences that she had been through that all of a sudden she's in this spot where I believe she's almost encouraging Jesus like, no, 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 this is what you're here for. And I think about how much faith that would have had to have taken to be able to just walk away and say, it's good. Because most of you mamas know that if you were putting on that shindig and you ran out of stuff, you're not just going to be like, it'll be fine. You just walk away. I've seen Kim freak out about gravy, okay? Like, hello. (laughs) And here, this huge affair, and she is literally walking away with that much faith. Where has that faith gone for us? Where has that faith gone for us? See, we are a people that seem to require a story. We require a scripture, a book, a history where we can justify my faith is right, my faith is good because I've seen God do it before. I know someone who went through this and God pulled them. I know someone who couldn't pay their bills and now they can, so it's okay. I know someone who experienced this and because of God, they came out of it and all the glory goes to God and all these things. But when we get out into these situations where all of a sudden we don't have any context, we don't have any any people who we know have experienced it, all of a sudden we get into this place and all of a sudden our faith is very weak but Mary's wasn't. And it's because she had been places with God. And what we have done is we have tied our faith to specific stories that when all of a sudden something doesn't fit, look, if it doesn't fit in here, right? And you're like, no, Tom, the word covers every single thing. Okay, there's a lot of stuff that we experience in this world today that may not be completely covered in here. Okay, there are passages and there are scriptures that will help us to get through those things, but it doesn't tell you a whole lot about computers in here. I'm, I'm just saying, right? Am I hello? Yeah. So we have to learn and understand that we have to go through some moments with God to build our faith. Because when we come up against something, we, th- those are the moments where the faith is truly required. Not because you know someone who's already experienced and already been through it, but because you are in a situation that you know nothing about and you have to solely trust him in it. And that's exactly 
where Mary was. Mary was in this position. Everyone is telling her, we're out. Jesus is telling her, not my day. (laughs) And she's walking away and just telling the servants, just go ahead and do whatever he tells you to do. Because she knew that he was going to move. And her ancestors, this is, this, is kind of, um, um, uh, this is kind of what it looks like for us, I think. Beth and I have talked about this a lot. We get, I may be jumping ahead here. We'll find out. We get in a situation and it looks something like this. Um, we will have a thing. Like this is the thing, okay? This is it. The sound of this is amazing, isn't it? Um, so you kind of got this issue, and it's kind of there. You know, it's kind of causing you some problems. And we do something like this, and we say, you know what? I'm going to apply faith to this situation. I'm going to apply faith to this need because this is out of control. I don't feel like I can go to anyone. I don't feel like I can talk to anyone. This has got to stop this right here. And so we do something like this where we say, God, I trust you to move in this situation. And then we do one of these, and then we say, let me just check on that real quick. Still here. (laughs) God, help me with this situation. This is just a problem, and I am having so many issues with this. This is a problem, God, but I trust you in it. I trust you in it. Still there, you know? We do one of these over and over and over and over in our lives because we never fully release things to him. It's like I would, I would say to Beth, it's, it's kind of like every time I poke my arm like this, my arm hurts. And so it's kind of like being that person that just keeps putting, yep, still hurts, 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 yep, still hurts. And before you know it, you're bruising yourself from poking your arm like that, right? Like, come on. We do that with the things in life that we are supposed to give over to God in full faith. Full faith doesn't require you to come back and keep checking on it. Full faith allows you to say, you know what? Nope. And then walk away from it. Because that's what Mary did. Mary said, hey, need you to move on this. Jesus is like, not really my time. And she's like, hey, servants, do whatever he says and goes. That is the kind of faith that I believe we need to be able to start walking in, to be able to walk like this. I love how Paul puts things. um, Actually, I'm skipping ahead here, so I'm not going to skip there. I'm going to get there. We want to apply true faith, and we want to say applying true faith looks like this. I believe in Jesus, and I go to church. Check one, check two. Nailed it. That's what we want to believe, okay? And the problem is we want to say that we're faithful because we do this. I serve in this capacity, so I'm faithful. Or we want to say, hey, I've, I've given this much to the church, so I'm faithful. And we don't actually take the time to apply true faith to the things in this world. And this is where I'm going to step on some toes because I don't mind doing it. Um, I hear so much nonsense. I said nonsense. I feel like I'm like my parents when I say that. Stop the nonsense. Um, When things happen in this world politically, you see, this is where I I can like feel them. Um, And and this is is what is a little crazy to me because I keep seeing this over and over and over and over again. And every time I see it, 
I want to start saying stuff, and I'm like, just bite your tongue, you know, keep yourself in check. Because pastors all over, all over the place, okay, have taken the stance to start preaching politics. And we've gotten so consumed by the news of what is happening in our world, in our time, in our whatever, politically, that we are preaching the politics more than we are preaching a faith-based life. We are more caught up and we wanna, we wanna just stir these people up. We wanna get people excited. We wanna do all that stuff. But the problem is, is we're never actually preaching people to a place of faith. What we actually do is we preach them into an endless cycle of fear. Like, look, look, I, and, and I hear this and I just, it, it, makes, it makes my skin crawl. They, what they want to do is they want everyone to, to just feed into the, this, I'm right. Right, so just whatever I say, and people will flock to that. And people will be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I mean, come on, look, there'll, there'll be rallies and all kinds of stuff, okay? And what we found ourselves doing is living in this vicious cycle of doing everything but loving our neighbor, because we got to take our stand, all right? Like we we can't love our neighbor because man, they don't agree with me on this, and that ain't gonna work for Tommy Toes, you know? I can tell you. My neighbors have very strong opinions about a lot of different things. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a big flag that hangs in one of them, and Bethany and I like, sometimes have to cover our kids' eyes when we walk by it. You know, it's like we got to like, protect, <laughs> protect their eyes a little bit. But we live in this vicious cycle because we feel like we, need this, the, 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 we have the responsibility to stand up for a person that God never truly wanted for us as his people. Now, some of you are going to hear that, and you're like, that's right, Pastor Tom, because Donald Trump was the chosen one, right? (laughs) Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I want to show you something here, because I believe that the children of God have been so persuaded by the nonsense in our world, that we have lost sight of how we are supposed to actually be. 1 Samuel chapter 8, I want to tell you what's happening here because it's a little crazy. Beth and I were just talking about this. Um, We were up in Springfield yesterday, and when we were up there, um, we were talking about this because Bethany uh, was teaching the kids about this in homeschool. And it says in chapter 8, verses 4 through 9, Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, behold, you are old. (laughs) How about that for a lead in? (laughs) Hey, Samuel, you're old. (laughs) Like, man, these people are vicious. You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them 
and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. How are we any different than the Israelites right here? We got people who still want to fight about so much nonsense because we have allowed ourselves to be fully persuaded away from the things of God. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who is at the top of America because we are to be serving God above all else. It doesn't, I don't get, let me tell you something. I don't get fired up about any of that nonsense. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. And yeah, I know, I'm not saying you shouldn't participate. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But what I'm saying to you is that we were intended to not serve a king. We were intended to not serve any other leader, any other supreme authority outside of God. And we have been completely convinced in America that we need to fight about everything else. That is not being a person of faith. You are putting your faith in someone that God never intended to lead your family. God is supposed to. And so here we are. Look, we are fighting. We are fighting uh, with just, it's just nonsense. And here we are supposed to be people of faith, walking in faith, and we can't move past the leaders of America. Who cares. <laughs> like, I mean, it just, it just doesn't matter. Look, I, I, I heard, I heard a conversation. I'm not, I'm trying not to get too political here. Okay. Y'all know my heart, but I heard a conversation the other day. We were walking. Someone's yelling about Biden increasing the gas prices. Okay. Let me tell you something. I don't care if gas prices go to $50 a gallon. Here's why. I believe in a God who is going to sustain me no matter what the situation. So we can fill our mouths, we can fill our lives with literally empty banter, or we can fill our words with the things of God that will bring life, that will bring hope, that will bring joy, or we can just fall into the trap of talking about the world. Come on, the world sucks, guys. Like, I'm just telling you. And so we cannot be people of faith with just spewing nonsense out of our mouths. I don't believe for one minute that Jesus would have wasted any of his time with it. It's, it's kind of like, um, do you remember when, um, and I, I can't remember where the passage is, but when they come to Jesus and they're like, well, Jesus, what are we supposed to do? We're, we're supposed to be taxed and we gotta pay this and we gotta pay this. And he just says, well, give Caesars whatever Caesars. I don't care. That's what we need to do. We need to get, you know what? It doesn't matter because I have a God who is sustaining me, who is bringing me through no matter what it looks like. Bethany will go nuts at me sometimes because I'm so complacent about some of the things in the world. And I'm not saying she's not right at it to a degree, okay? There's my clause for you, baby. <laughs> but because we know whom we serve, we don't need to spend our time being consumed about what is happening on the earth from a worldly perspective. It just doesn't matter. See, we are blaming our struggle on some superior authority that we have placed in a position, but we are not 
leaning on him in all things. That is not being people of faith. And so when I talk about the real church experience and I talk about being the church, it is, it is dependent on none of these other things. Listen, you will likely never in our lives find a political sign in our yards ever, unless it's got my name on it. Okay, I'll just say that. <laughs> Even then, we probably wouldn't do that. That's kind of like, that's kinda like um, voting for yourself for the high school prom, I feel like. I don't know. Um, anyways, I did do that. No, no. <laughs> I actually did not. I wouldn't do that. But if I was on a ballot, I'd have to because it would be wrong to vote for the other person. Don't you feel like that would be wrong? And then you can't not vote because like, then that's like, you didn't even vote. You know, It's like they would call that. I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to get out of that story. I love how Paul puts things in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, um, he says this pretty simply. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. First off, I just love that. <laughs> I wasn't very smart when I came to you. <laughs> that's kind of like, that's like me. Like, I, I'm not real good with words and stuff. But I came, you know. Um, that's just kind of how I feel. Uh, verse 2 says, For I decided, <laughs> I like this, for I decided to know nothing among you. I, uh, I got nothing, you know. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look, there are a lot of people that will lead you to believe that you need to know everything that is happening in the earth. And let me tell you, one, you can't. Two, you don't have to. Paul said, I decided to know nothing. <laughs> like, that gives me the freedom to delete all of my social media today, right? Like, I don't need to know about none of this all, right? I don't have to watch news. I don't need to hear that because at the end of the day, I'm sustained by a God who loves me. But it says, I decided to know nothing except... Huh. There's your accept. Jesus Christ and him crucified. We are more consumed about knowing everything else than we are about knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, we are filling ourselves with textbooks and with knowledge and with understanding of everything else. And Paul's like, I decided I wasn't going to know nothing but Jesus, Right? We need to get to that kind of a place, right? We need to get to that kind of a place. And it says in three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom. People are like, that's exactly what I would put underneath Tom's sermons right when they start. No plausible words of wisdom. You know, just let that go across the bottom there. It says, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And I love what verse five says here. Verse five says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, we are so consumed. We are hungry for wisdom. I, I saw a funny video the other day, um, and this guy, I just love the way this guy said this. He, he was talking on some sort of podcast, and he was like, you know what I'm addicted to? And the guy's like, what? He's like, I'm addicted to more. 
And he's like, what do you mean you're addicted? He's like, just more. Like, if I have money, I want more. Like, if I have food, I just want more. Like, I, I'm addicted to more. I just want more of everything that I have. And we are like that with wisdom in the wrong places. We want to know when everything's going to happen. We want to know that we're ready when that time comes. We want to know we got our ducks in a row. We want to make sure we didn't put a chip in our arm. We want to make sure all of these different things, okay, but we are not consumed with understanding the knowledge of Jesus Christ and him crucified. James 1, it talks about if you lack wisdom to ask God for it, right? You guys have heard that. In one version, it says, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. I read that and I was like, oh, put that on a t-shirt, you know, it wouldn't sell. Um, But if you're going to ask God for wisdom, be sure that your faith is in him alone. See, too many have allowed their faith to rest in the wisdom of men and not in the power of God. It's those decisions, when you put these other people, when you put these pastors, when you put whatever it is, fill in the blank whatever you, with whatever you want here, but when you allow those things to take a bigger place of your life than Jesus, you will find yourself living a faithless life because you will be dependent on everyone else on the earth for your needs, for your situation, for your problem. And let me tell you something, they will all let you down, but Jesus won't. Even in the emptiest moments of your life, He will be there. If we are going to be people of faith, we have to get back to truly having faith. Faith like Mary did. Like I said, this whole idea of being able to hand something over to God like this and trust him enough to not walk away like this. That was kind of effective. See, we drag on with the same nonsense. There's a, there's a song that Beth and I love, and I have no idea who it is or what it's about, but I'm going to remember one line of it, okay? And it's talking about how we find ourselves struggling with the same struggle forever. I can remember being in church and seeing the same people struggle with the exact same issue every single time. And it's because they never let go of it. They allowed it to stay with him or her the entire time. I would see people go to the altar, pour their hearts out, but then walking away, dragging that thing behind them the whole way back. True faith looks more like what Mary did, When Mary said, whatever, man, you told me that it wasn't your time, but just do whatever he said to do and walk away. She wasn't scrambling. It didn't say, and Mary left to try to go to the closest 7-Eleven and get all the wine she could. It doesn't say that, you know? It doesn't say she started stomping on grapes. It doesn't, none of that, right? She walked away and she had the faith to believe that he was going to move, and he did, He did. And so I want us, like, 
I thought of it this way. Um, all these companies right now are like having this weird issue where they're trying to do like these return to work things, you know, like, come on back to work now. It's good. And people are like, I'm just quitting my job because <laughs> I ain't going back. <laughs> I've been working from home. You know, it's like, I, I can't remember what it's like, but what, there's, a, there's a video or a movie or something where he's saying it's like, I have been working from home for a year plus, and you think I'm going to come back to that cruddy office? Uh-uh, ain't happening. Literally, they're saying people are quitting their jobs because they can get another job working remote and not ever have to go back to the office. So companies are kind of like having a little bit of a panic attack. And so all these people are focusing on this for returning to work, but I believe that God is calling the church to return to faith, a true returning to faith, to believe in him, to believe for him in so many things that we have tried to depend on everyone else for. That's not the way it's supposed to work. We are supposed to trust in him. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. And I'm, we're not gonna play a song tonight as we close. I just, I wanna do, um, I wanna do two things here. Uh, first, I wanna pray, um, I wanna pray over us as a church. I want you to pray with me as we pray, but that we would walk in faith that we would not allow ourselves to be consumed by all of the noise of the day. That we wouldn't allow, listen, there are things that are going to happen in your life that it's gonna feel like someone just crawled right inside of your spine and like shove their hand up into your face hole and make you want to say something really quick, okay? There are many times that I feel that. And I might say it to her, (laughs) and she'll make sure it doesn't go anywhere but there. (laughs) But we have to start recognizing that every word, every, let me say it this way, every spoken word and every written word, every word should be glorifying God. And if we are allowing ourselves to get caught up in the social media or in the whatever, what people are going to see is people are going to see a lack of faith. And if the core of who we are is supposed to say, I believe in a God that can sustain all my needs, but this $10 a gallon gasoline is gonna make me go psycho. What the heck does that say? Right? Look, we, we have to be We have to be better than that because they are looking, listen, the people that are out there that are without, they are in desperate need of something that is real. And if they see all this wishy-washy, 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 what are they gonna want anything to do with Jesus Christ? They're gonna see you complain, moan, and gripe just as much as they do. And they're gonna be like, what's in it for me? Nothing. We have to model a better way. And it's tough sometimes because I'm the guy that sometimes sees the Christians and I want to be like, you know, I don't type like that on my phone, just so you know. Um, I've, I've got these big fat thumbs, so I just like push eight letters at a time. And so I'm not very good at it, actually. Uh, Bethany laughs when she watches me text or type, actually both. Bethany laughs at me a lot. Um <laughs> 
But we, we, have to, we have to stop allowing ourselves to get caught up in the nonsense of the world. This place is not your home, right? This place is not your home. Heaven is. So don't get consumed about what other people are gonna think if you don't give your opinion on something. It just doesn't matter. My opinion is on the things of heaven. I, I've told you guys before, Beth and I had someone come to us once and says, we'd like to know your opinion on this. And I was like, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to have an opinion. I can tell you what this says about it. And they're like, that's cool. I just wanted to know what you thought. <laughs> I don't get that opportunity, you know? And that's the lives we need to live. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We need to put out all of these little fires that just burn us up and we need to get reconnected. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit in us to be able to walk out and live that kind of a life. Not the nonsense that we're seeing every day. Thanks again for listening to this message from Real Church Goshen. You can find out more about us and our services by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Real Church Goshen.